This episode of The Homilist is brought to you by Ozark Christian College. Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri has been focused on the same mission for over 75 years, to train men and women for Christian service. Ozark's Bible Foundation, Christian Community, Global Outreach, and Affordable Cost prepare students to serve in whatever kingdom assignment God has for them. With residential and online degrees, Ozark sends out workers into the harvest field. With 15,000 alumni serving in all 50 states and in 100 countries around the world. Ozark is also glad to offer next-level resources, free videos and webinars for you and your church, led by Ozark professors like Michael DeFazio, Shane J. Wood, and Mark Scott. Next-level resources cover topics like how to read your Bible, the parables of Jesus, and exploring the Enneagram, and much more. Find next-level resources at no cost at occ.edu forward slash next level. And find out more about Ozark Christian College at occ.edu. Welcome back to the Homilist Podcast. This is the season finale, but this is also a launch onto a side road of preaching, and that is dealing with the preacher himself. My guest today will help introduce us to this topic that I want to spend a little bit more time talking about. We will spend some time diving deeper into this in the future, but let me give you a quick rundown on our direction for the next couple of months. Here's the idea. As leaders in our churches and communities, it is not enough to simply be spiritual specialists. I have the opportunity to talk to many preachers and pastors. When we begin to talk through life, the majority of them share a common thought or concern, one that I have had about myself as well. It is this, the temptation to show ourselves approved when handling the scripture, but finding that there are other areas of our life that we fall flat. Today I'm talking with Aaron Brockett from Traders Point Christian Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, about what true masculinity is, physical fitness, and our need for hard conversations. So, one last thing. I have a quick announcement and a request at the end of this episode, so make sure you catch that. Here is my conversation with Aaron Brockett. Aaron Brockett, welcome back to the Homeless Podcast, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me back, man. I'm not asked um, back very often. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I bet that's not true. I bet that's not true. Well, uh, yeah, I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you jumping back on here. Um, here's the uh, here's the here's the cool here's the cool part about you about you coming back. You are the you are the now you're not the first returning guest. Stephen Mansfield has come back twice. All right, and okay. so but but you right. but you are the first returning pastor um, on the podcast, and so that's very that's nice. It's a, a little more important. That's a little more important, really. Well, uh, yeah. I think so. And I think after five times, I need a green jacket. So. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Thank you. Thank you for coming back. I appreciate it. Uh, you've been well? I've been good. I've yeah. been good. Yeah. How about you? Good. Good, man. Things have been good. We've uh, had, a, had a lot of uh, had a lot of really cool stuff happen. Hey, um, let me let me let me show you something or let me tell you something real quick. I'm gonna pull this up. Uh, you're gonna need to see this. You need to see this information. Um, you're gonna be you're gonna be absolutely blown away. Aaron Brockett. 720 downloads. Oh wow. wow! Aaron Brock has got 720 downloads on this uh, on this podcast. So listen, buddy, like that's that's in the top that's in like the top three or four. I mean, you oh, just wow. yeah. So I mean, you've I won't tell you the other guys that you've just you've just you just cooked right by them. I won't tell you who those guys. <laughs> I would never want them to hear it. And be like, well, that's terrible. That's yeah, terrible. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. So, but I will tell you this. You know who number one is? Dave Erickson. Oh really? 
Dave Erickson. That's great. I never would have, never would have, never would have thought. Hey, the only guy on there who doesn't have social media, his own website, or any video of him preaching anywhere in his own church. So, wow. <laughs> and it, like he's like that's the one. I don't. So I don't know all these all these fanboys, all these Dave Erickson fanboys wow. climbing out of nowhere. So Must have dropped some serious wisdom. He did. He was he was pretty salty. He was pretty salty. But you, my friend, seven hundred and twenty downloads. That's pretty awesome. So, hey, uh, here's the deal. I won't uh, I won't keep you on here long today. But I did I did want to talk to you about a about a topic, a new series that I'm starting with the podcast, talking about masculinity um, within the church, within the family, within friendships, and all that that entails. Eat from Maybe diet to workouts to um, leadership, um, anything that kind of that kind of um, borders around that and encompasses that idea of masculinity. I want to talk a little bit about that uh, on here with you because I thought, you know what? As I look through this list of people who's been on here, who's probably one of the more masculine guys on this list. I'm just gonna have to say Aaron Brockett's Aaron Brockett's in the top five. Aaron Brockett's in the top five. I, <laughs> I, I see your I see your uh, your Instagram stuff on your workouts, and I think this is a guy I want to talk to you about workouts because I think I think our I think our workout regiments are probably probably uh, pretty pretty similar. So um, CrossFit, normal gym. Yeah. What else? Uh, I do uh, I do CrossFit um, at least six days a week. Um, uh, either I'll go into the gym here locally, or I've got uh, all the stuff in my basement. So, um, and then uh, there might be I've got a friend, a couple friends that I'll work out with. I've got a fireman that uh, he's had me down to his firehouse, and we'll work out there, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, but I usually try to do something active at least six days out of the week if I can. I don't always get to it every day, but I uh, try to. Yeah. What time do you work out? Uh, it sort of varies depending upon the season I'm in and my kids schooling. So like during yeah. the summer when it's warm, kids aren't in school, it gets light early. I'll go to the 6 a.m. Uh, here uh, this week, I've actually done uh, the 930 uh, class, um, which has been kind of good. I kind of have my mornings, take my kids to school, come into the office for an hour and then go get a workout in real quick. That's what I did today. Um, and, or maybe the noon class that'd be about the latest I would do it. So I try to get it in sometime early yeah. to mid morning. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, worst the worst workout you got you got you got one in mind? Like this is the one when it shows up on the list. Like, oh, I don't want to do Laredo. I don't want to do the Murph. I don't want to <laughs> do the Murph. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, well, I mean, any of the open workouts are going to be killers. I mean, that's, uh-huh. yeah, if you do, if you do CrossFit, we're in the open right now, so. Uh, we've had two workouts in it and they've both been killers. I mean, yeah. last week, last week was a uh, 20 minute AMRAP of 50 pound dumbbell thrusters, uh, six toes, the to bar and 24 double unders. And you just keep, <laughs> you just keep doing it for 20 minutes. It's and, a uh, never ending. It's never it's, ending. Yeah. Those, those dumbbell thrusters got heavy real fast. So. Oh, I'm telling you what. I'm telling you what. But Fran, Fran is always a good workout too. So Fran's kind of like a benchmark workout and, uh, I've been pretty pleased, you know, it's like the first time I ever did Fran, I didn't have butterfly pull-ups. I just had barely had strict and it took me, I think 18 minutes to do Fran. And now my Fran time's about six minutes. Wow. So, uh, awesome. I, I feel, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. That's good. That's good deal. Yeah. That's good yeah. deal. Yeah. Uh, that, that CrossFit stuff, like that, that's a, uh, 
that 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 can break it. That can break a guy in half sometimes. You know, that can you well, see, some tell, cat, I, see some cats show you, up and try that, and man, it's like <gasps> my my lungs are on fire. My lungs are on fire. Oh, so great, so great. Well, that's what that's what I love about it is because you know you can be a strong person and lift a lot of weight. Can yeah. you do it when your heart rate is over 160? That's that's the that's, that's the test. so great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like. Have you ever tried to run a 5K? It's like, oh well, yeah, it's no problem. Getting punched in the face? No, no. It's kind of what it's like, you know, to yeah. do some of those. Yeah, that's oh, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we put one together. Oh, I can't. I guess we didn't put it together. This uh, right around right around Thanksgiving, and it, what was it the it was like the ladies of CrossFit or whatever. You, do you know the one I'm talking about? It's like oh, the yeah, ladies. Yeah. It, so it just lines up, lines up all the gals, you know, and you just do all the workouts right in a row. Oh, workouts, it yeah. was it was awesome. It was awesome. Absolutely loved oh, it. Wow. Absolutely loved yeah. it. So yeah, that's good stuff. And and you're right. You see those big weightlifter guys come in like, yeah, what are you guys doing? The freaking burpees? What what is that? What are you just doing burpees? He's like, I could do burpees all day. Like, okay, so do seven. Okay, just, yeah. <laughs> just do seven burpees. So yeah. um, does that uh what do those workouts do for you? I mean, what do they what do they do for you uh, physically, uh, emotionally, spiritually? What do they what do they do for you? I think there's a lot of things. I mean, I think that um, at the very base level, like I just uh, want to feel good physically. Uh, I think in my 20s, I really didn't exercise at all, and I was super stressed, and um, I had kind of youth on my side still. Um, and I didn't like where things were headed. I was overweight and couldn't think clearly, had mm. had headaches and pain. And I was like, man, I shouldn't be having this. And, you know, I feel I feel good. You know, I feel like I'm in I'm older. I'm 43. So I can't do like what I probably could have done at 23. But I feel like I'm in the better best shape that I've ever been in my life so I can move better. I, that's the goal for me is longevity. Mm-hmm. I just want, I don't want to start late. I want to just start now. Don't go crazy. Just stay active as long as I can. And, um, I think it helps me uh, think better. I think it helps me communicate better. Um, it just does all the endorphin stuff, all the yeah. chemical stuff. It helps me, uh, you know, if I've had a stressful day or I know I'm going to have a stressful day, I mean, right now I'm really super chill because I just went into the gym and threw some barbells around mm-hmm. and I just, I just love the sound. And so I think it's just, helpful to me. I know CrossFit's not for everybody. Right. Um, I've been dabbling in it since 2015. Over the last two years, I've really kind of stepped it up and I've really enjoyed it a lot. It also gets me out of the office and I'm rubbing shoulders with people that I wouldn't normally mm-hmm. interact with. A lot of people that uh, wouldn't set foot in the church, uh, yeah. but I get a chance to have conversations with them. And it's been cool because I think that I've just kind of slowly built relationships and then you end up seeing them in church and uh, mm-hmm. that's been that's been pretty cool too. So Yeah, that's real cool. That's real cool. Yeah. And it, it, and now, listen, this is going to sound kind of – I hope it doesn't sound egotistical but because I don't mean it this way. But I, there's something about you being a normal human being when you go and you struggle and you sweat and you, and you yelp and you lay on the floor exhausted making, making sweat angels. You know, mm-hmm. that, w- that when that happens, there's this, there's this level of humanity, I think, that, that as a preacher, I think the stereotypical idea is that, that you kind of function outside of a normal – you know what's the what's the old joke? You know how many genders are there? There's three genders. There's men, women, and preachers. You know. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, it is interesting you would say that because I have had a couple of guys say to me like, "Hey, man, like you just kind of seem like a normal dude." <laughs> right. And, and they and they almost say uh, they act surprised by it, and I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, man." Like, and I don't walk in there like Pastor Aaron. I don't. <laughs> 
I don't like say, Hey guys, you need to clean up your language. And I don't, I don't do any of that. Like I'm, I just try to be as normal and relaxed as I can. And they'll open up like one, one guy, you know, maybe his father just passed away or somebody's really struggling with something. Mm -hmm. I just listen and I'm not turning my, you know, pastor cap on and saying, let me counsel you. I'm just trying to be a friend. Yeah. And I think, I think then, I think everybody's hearts then there's, there's people that ask questions and, well, and I've had a couple guys come up to me and go, dude, you know, I was watching one of your, uh, your, uh, what do you call it? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, talks. He's like, yeah, you talk. Like I was watching it on Facebook. And, and, uh, so I think they get curious cause they, yeah. cause they find out like who I am and what we do. And then I think they can easily go on and find videos of right. messages. And, uh, so I, I, I like that aspect of it. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a cool it's a cool thing to, and, and I think there's something healthy and cathartic on our end when when you are when you are a pastor and that people people do come with an idea already of who you are and what you're about and what you're not about definitely what you're not about you know and these kind of things mm-hmm. and then in those situations it's really cool when you get to when you get to put the punchline out for them uh, so what yeah. do you do so what do you do yeah. oh well, I'm a pastor at a church. I didn't see that coming. Like I didn't see that coming. Like yeah. you, you got me. You got me. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's my favorite. Cool. My favorite is there's a guy that's in our church. He's actually in my small group. He owns a powerlifting gym here on the north side of Indy, and uh, it's a totally different environment than CrossFit. I mean, it's like um, a gritty uh, powerlifting gym. So mm. these guys are like he he's trying to get a strongman's card. I mean, they're bench pressing like, you know, four or 500 pounds right. squatting. And, and he's got half his gym coming to our church, that's which awesome. is really cool. Yeah. But I'll go in with him and uh, him and then another guy that's in our group that um, played in the NFL for a while, just retired this year. But we'll just go in and lift together. Yeah. And that's been a lot of fun, too. And uh, you just see a lot of the people that are in that powerlifting gym. And, and uh, man, this dude, he's just an inviting machine. He's just right. inviting half the gym to come. So it's it's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, that's cool. And I'm by, I'm by no means like I'm not very strong. I'm not like the you know craziest guy in there. I'm just trying to be – I'm just trying to not be fat. <laughs> and, uh, right. And, uh, you know, out of shape and, and uh, you know, all that stuff. So. Yeah. Well, here's the, here the bad part. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were like, okay, so, I mean, the reason we work out. I mean, we work out for health and, you know, we, gotta, we just got to take care of our health. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, God, I think I don't think we're being honest. I don't think we're being honest. I think I think we really well, got there is a small part of me that wants to look like Wolverine. There, is, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There, I, I was like, you know, some of this, like, I'll be honest, like I'm. I'm wrestling with the vanity part of this. All right, I, I, I'm, I'm wrestling with not not because I'm oh I gotta I gotta keep myself humble. I don't mean like that. I'm wrestling with the vanity part of like look I don't want to I don't want to have a dad bod. All right, I just that's what I'm trying to do. You know, yeah. just I want to do that's hard true. things. I want to get I want to get pushed. You know, I want to I want to walk in a room and know that you know if something goes down. You know, <laughs> if I gotta if it's gotta go to fist to cuffs it. At least I'm in good enough shape to run, you know, Absolutely, if, if yeah. I don't fight, whatever it is, you know. So, yeah, I, I, get, I get really inspired by these guys that are over the age of 60. They're just fit. Yeah. And I'm now that's cool. like, man, I respect, I respect that. And so, you know, you, how do you do that? Well, you don't wait till you know, you're out of shape and fit over 55. Right. You do it now. And yeah. you just, you just develop the lifestyle. That yeah. Makes a world of difference. Uh, <laughs> yesterday I had a guy message me and he said, uh, he said, "Hey, and this is this is, this is a guy from our community. He works at a factory, um, not a ministry guy. And, and I'll be honest, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him in church ever. 
and he messaged me and he says, Hey, I'm really loving these podcasts that you put out. And I'm like, what? It's like you walked into a nerd factory. Like, what are you serious? Like, we're talking about preaching. Like, what are you? He's like, no, I listen to him. And I said, I need to know, like, what's the thing? Like, what's the thing that has got you hooked on listening to these conversations? And here's the thing that he said. Um, they're unapologetically masculine. Mm. And I thought, well, that's the first time. Anybody in our vocation has ever been accused of being unapologetically masculine in a group. Mm. You know, I thought that was yeah. I thought that was so cool. And uh, and so I, I thought, man, that's great because, you know, we're already we're already starting this series and we're going to go through this stuff. So I, it was just it was just cool. I thought that was really, really cool. So it's pretty awesome. It was very cool. Awesome. Very cool. So, um, when it comes to the masculinity part, first, let's define the word. Uh, how do you define how do you define a word uh, like masculine, especially in our current culture? Well, you know, I mean, obviously it's a loaded term given where we're at in our culture. And I think primarily um, because there have been so many bad examples of it. Mm. I think however you however you want to define it, I mean, I think that, you know, you've got these two terms, masculinity and femininity. Is that my saying that right? Yeah, I think so. Um, and and so it's it's sort of like you've got a healthy version of both and you've got an unhealthy mm. version of both. Yeah. And so uh, an unhealthy version of masculinity would be, um, I, I, I guess, maybe the most simple definition that I could define masculinity is a is a strength, strength. Um, uh, an unhealthy version of that would be strength that powers up on others, um, strength that rolls over other people, mm-hmm. um, strength that tries to take from others. Um, and that's and so if if that's what culture is seen from masculinity, then we deserve every bit of criticism that's been given to it. Mm. Um, I think that uh, Jesus um, uh, really portrayed masculinity in a, in the best way possible in the sense that he had all power and strength laid it down. Um, And I think that um, true masculinity is strength uh, for the purpose of others. Um, It's, it's defending it's, um, it's taking care of, it's protecting um, other people, and uh, and not using that against others to cause them harm. Yeah, that's a good definition. That's strong. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about masculinity within uh, within your within yourself, which is a, it's a strange conversation. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty new church conversation, really. I mean, well, maybe a re, maybe a resurgence of that conversation. There were there were early conversations uh, about that, you know, at some mm-hmm. of the divinity schools. Um, mm-hmm. you know, um, hundred years ago, uh, mm-hmm. but where we're at right now, it's kind of, it's kind of all shown back up and we've started talking about it again. And I appreciate what you said about, uh, because that's been portrayed so poorly, we deserve the criticism of what we're getting now in now, no, redefine the term masculinity is ugly. Well, I mean, we, we toxic, you know, that's the, that's the new, that's the new uh, hot phrase, you know, mm-hmm. um, toxic. It's like, well, I don't. So I appreciate you appreciate you drawing a distinction in that. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to the leadership, the leadership portion of that, how do we model that? How do we model masculinity inside of leadership as 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 pastors? Well, I think it's a very similar idea. I mean, I think that if you are um, utilizing your leadership influence just for yourself, um, just to gain more. Mm followers more power more prestige it's toxic 
Uh, I think that whatever it, it kind of reminds me of that, like Andy Stanley talk he gave several years ago, is like at some point in your leadership, you're going to uh, walk into a room and realize that you're the most like powerful person in the room. Uh, could be because uh, you've just been there the longest. You know, uh, there are times I even wonder if <laughs> uh, I, there are times I wonder if I, I'm just content. I'm the pastor traders because I've just been here a long time. You know, it's like I don't even know if uh, they would rehire me if I were to interview again. But I've been here a long time. Uh, so um, or you're going to find yourself uh, in a position where you've just been promoted or whatever it is. So he's like, so what are you going to use with that, quote unquote, power? Are you going to use it for yourself? Or are you going to utilize it for others? And um, I went away. I don't know if, remember if we talked about this on the first time that I was on your podcast, but about five years ago, I went and did my life plan. And I was 38. And uh, if you've ever, if, if your listeners are familiar with life plans, it's basically two days with a facilitator and they uh, map out your life going all the way back to your childhood and they put it in chapters. And he got kind of to where I was at 30, age of 38, kind of profiled my family and, and who I was as a man. And then what I did, and I'm the pastor at Traders Point. And then we wrote out a profile of our church and the influence that our church is having. And it scared me. And he goes, why does it scare you? And I said, because if you would have showed me that I would get to be a part of a church that's having the kind of influence that we have when I was back when I was in college, I would have said, oh, man, that's amazing. So, well, I get to be a part of that right before I retire in my mid 60s. Mm. And he's like, no, you're you're 38. And I go, that's what scares me, because uh, what do you do with that? Uh, do, uh, do I mess up at big time? Does it all fall apart? Do I just ride this out and plateau for the next 20 years? Like, do I flame out? Like what happens? Because this to me seems like Everest and there ain't much where to go beyond it. And I was probably, uh, I was probably thinking too hard about it at the time, but I love what he said. He said, well, let's, you, you scaled your Everest. So now what do you do? And we just said, you need to throw lines down to other climbers and Mm. help them, help them scale their Everest. And, that's just really we that thought really stuck with me and we've just come back to say listen man any i mean the the guy that preceded me at traders point served here for 25 years i would tell him all the time man i'm standing on your shoulders i'm so far ahead because of the groundwork you laid here and i just wanted to come back and say listen as a leader um i don't deserve there's so many things i don't deserve about the platform of the position that i have here um, but I want to utilize that to help other leaders grow and find their platform and find what God's called them to do. And I think that uh, leadership has to be others focused. If it gets to this place where I'm like clamoring for more, gets to this spot where I'm trying to self-preserve what I've got or mm-hmm. what I've been given, then it becomes toxic real, real fast. And uh, I mean, even all the sexual abuse stuff that we're seeing, what is that? That's a leader that has been using a position uh, to take from someone else. And man, um, uh, too much of that has gone on. And so it's time not to throw away the word masculinity or throw away the concept of it, but it really needs to be redeemed um, and and really uh, modeled in such a way to say, no, actually this can be a good thing when it's healthy and when it's others focused. Yeah, I appreciate all that. There's there's uh there's so much work that has to be done on that front though. You know, so much Absolutely. work. I mean because Absolutely. there's 
you think about the value of solid Christian men. I was talking to when I was talking to that group out in Estes Park this last week. Uh, one of the things I told them, I said, you know what, I don't, I do not remember having a female Sunday school teacher in the church that I grew up in. I don't remember having one. Um, I remember the guys that taught it. I remember the guys that were that I mean the ones that volunteered their time that, and like that's a pretty that's a pretty incredible pretty incredible um, picture to have handed off to you as a little guy. So what's the church look like in the future? It's men, and what you do is you go to church, and then at some point you volunteer and you go down and you teach Sunday school. Why? Because this is what men do. You know, this is a this is a part of what that what that looks like, and. And it was kind of impressive because I think I don't think that's the I don't think that's the model that a lot of people have a lot of people have grown up in. You know, um, was it the model you grew up in? The model you, you cut out there for a little bit. Yeah, know, sorry. Remind me what you said. Okay, so the in model the church, of what? Yeah, in the, in the church that I grew up in, I don't remember having female um, female Sunday school teachers, and yeah. I grew up in a church where like it's a church was masculine. Church was a masculine thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, going into ministry was not a weak thing, and I know for some people it, it kind of feels that way. But it, it wasn't a weak thing. Like this is a this is a tough guy thing. You know, this is a tough guy huh. thing you go do. You know, and so the mentality is not well. For instance, you know, we've got a we've got a crest uh, that we hang up in our that, that hangs up in our sanctuary down the deal. And I mean, one of our one of our symbols on our crest on our little quartered crest in four little spots. One of them is brass knuckles and. The reason why is because we talk about, you know, I beat my body and I make it a slave. And we talk about this self-discipline factor, you know, oh, yeah. and and so just this idea. Uh, and so here, like it's like that's masculine. And it and it but no, but nobody says, like, isn't that just a little over the top? It's like the, this is kind of what's here. The we have more guys between the age of 25 and 55 than we have anything else here, you know, and that's. That's uh, that's kind of that deal. Did you grow up with a model of masculine church uh, where you came from? Uh, you know, maybe yes and no. I mean, I don't know. Uh, in um, I think that I had a few really good masculine examples. Mm. You know, there was a couple of uh, men in my life who were leaders that really modeled it really well. Uh, I don't know that I necessarily would. Say, I mean, I I grew up in great churches. Um, uh, but I don't know that I, I, I think you, your experience of saying, hey, you know, ministry is a masculine thing. I, I don't know that I would have uh, put those uh, thoughts together. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily thought about it that way. Um, I think for me, it's like, you know, I think anytime I think of somebody who's really modeling healthy masculinity well, it's there's this like um, kind of quiet strength to them. Mm-hmm. It's kind, you know, it's I, I know I think that what so many people get turned off by, by the whole masculine thing is like guys who are like flexing in the mirror and eating red meat and screaming. And, you know, it's like, that just seems moronic, but, but I think a real type of strength that's actually kind and, and yet at the same time, like really, really, uh, fierce, you know, it's mm-hmm. like this, uh, like, I'm not going to back down. Uh, I'm going to defend the, those who can't defend themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm going to speak up for those who can't speak. It's like I'm saying, it's like I think where masculinity uh, goes bad is I mean, it's like, you know, it's like I, I walk into the, you know, my, my bedroom, take off my shirt and flex for my wife. She rolls her eyes. <laughs> but if right. I um, 
But if I take that strength and actually, you know, serve my kids in some way, she's like, she's like, oh, now that, I now that's, that, yeah, that's sexy. Like. Yeah. And so I think that that it's, it's where it, it's masculinity needs to be channeled in the right ways. Yeah. Uh, where it's always for other people. You're not using it to prop yourself up. Yeah. And, uh, Are you or someone you know wanting to make a difference with your life, but you're not sure where to start? At Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri, they help students discover the kingdom assignment that God has for them and then train them to carry it out. Ozark prepares students for all kinds of Christian service, biblical communication, biblical justice, youth and children's ministry, counseling, missions, organizational leadership, worship and creative arts, and much more. Ozark's close community, Bible foundation, and commitment to service prepares students to take the gospel to every corner of the globe as ambassadors for Christ. And Ozark's affordable tuition offers a quality private Christian education at a public university price. Ozark Christian College, your mission is out there. Your training starts here. I was on the uh, I was on the treadmill at the gym one day, uh, a buddy and I, and we were doing uh, I think we were doing hurricanes, which if you look that up like treadmill hurricanes. I'm like it's it's a great it's a great one. It's de- it's it's killer. So we're doing so we're doing these doing this workout in this uh, big glass windows in the front of the gym, and right right in front of us, this this big truck pulls up, and this this couple starts having a a, a domestic dispute out in, out in the middle of the parking lot, and uh, and he is he's out of control. This this dude's completely out of control, and I'm on the treadmill, and so I'm just I'm just processing what's going on because I haven't seen I see a situation, but I don't see a situation that's dangerous. I just see a situation that's you know it's volatile, but it's not. I mean nothing's nothing's happened. Um, I haven't seen a reason for me to be involved in this situation yet. Um, the back, uh, the back door of the truck opens up, so it's one of those kind of the suicide doors. And so the back of the truck opens up, and a little girl gets out. The guy goes back and gets in the driver's seat and pulls forward and hits her with the door. And and I'm like, what is going on? And so then I'm telling myself, all right, Jared, in this situation, what do you need to do? Like we're going to have to get some help. And as I'm processing this through my through my mind. I turned to my buddy who's on the treadmill beside me, and now he's off the treadmill. He's got both hands on the latch of the door, and he's headed into the parking lot at a dead sprint. Wow. And, it was, and it was in that moment that I was just like, Jared, you saw it, and you didn't respond. Like, you didn't respond. You sat there, and you started processing and thinking. Sometimes you stop thinking sometimes. You stop thinking, and you act. There's a situation. Somebody's in danger. You act. And in my own mind where I can get trapped, I can get really trapped just in the thinking process. Mm. I look up and there's a guy beside me who is jet streaming out there to go handle the situation. Of course, I'm immediately following this guy as quick as I mean, like this guy, like, don't be that slouch, you know, don't be (laughs) wandering. But it was just it was such a good reminder. And and, And as shameful as it is, it was one of those moments that I. That I hold close to me as, hey, hey, just remember, you don't ever want that feeling again. Like you don't want that feeling of being the guy who's the second one to show up in a situation. Mm-hmm. Don't be yeah. that guy that shows up second. You know, that's yeah. not that's not right. And so uh, like what you said, you know, when it's serving others, when it's protecting others, when it's protecting the defenseless, like that's a good thing. And man, I tell you what, my buddy Dakota and he was just he saw it and reacted. And man, it was one of those shameful little things I just carry around in my pocket. Like, don't ever be the second guy <laughs> to the situation. Okay. Yeah. Hey, when we uh, when we discuss um, we discuss masculinity, uh, how do we practically put that into play? as as preachers mm. you mean uh uh in the sermon itself mm-hmm. 
you know, I mean, I think that, um, you, you know, one of the things that I've, uh, uh, had uh, some feedback I've had given to me uh, over the years from a lot from from men, but also from their girlfriends and their wives and their moms is um, my my husband, my boyfriend, my son likes listening to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 I think that um, I think that I try to come across as accessible uh, I try to come across as, as real. Um, I think anytime you got to say something hard from up front and by I mean hard, I mean like, you know, uh, uh, you know, J- Jesus said hard things, you know, he's like, Hey man, this is the cost of discipleship. Okay. This is not easy believism. Right. Uh, this is going to cost, this is going to, it's going to set, you're going to sacrifice for something. I got to say something hard from up front then I need to include myself in it because I haven't mm. mastered it yet. Yeah. And, and so, and so to not talk down to anybody, but to always say, Hey man, maybe you're like me and here's how I struggle. Maybe you can identify with my struggle and then you go through this stuff or, uh, Hey man, you know, one of the things is that, uh, I always feel like the sermon comes to life when I'm studying the passage that I'm preaching and I go, what are the, internal questions and objections i have to what this just said Mm -hmm. because if i don't voice those they are and if i don't say them then they're gonna it's gonna discredit the message and they're gonna go you're not you're not being emotionally or intellectually honest you're Mm -hmm. just kind of going past it and i think there's something about saying something up front that they actually didn't think that a pastor would say up front yeah right because they're not they're not they're not quite sure that that's allowed they're not quite sure that they can be that real. They're not quite sure that they can ask that question. They're not sure that, you know, God would be pleased with that. And so I think to say, Hey, some of you are thinking this and you know what? I get it. And I think there's just something about that, that, uh, really appeals, uh, not only to men, but to women, but, um, but just making, you know, vulnerability is masculine. You know, I, I think that when you just lay yourself open and go, Hey man, I'm right there in the struggle with you something about that that really connects uh, to people's hearts. Um, and I think humility is really masculine. I mean, I think just real genuine humility, it, it just opens things up for people to be able to uh, hear things that they just would not be able to hear if you're saying it with a condescending sort of tone. Mm-hmm. I was, as you were talking, <clears throat> I was, I wrote down the words, so I wouldn't forget it, but I wrote down the word vulnerability and that idea that, man, that is like, that is a masculine characteristic because when you can begin to say, it's what we say around, what we say in our men's groups, uh, in, in one of our men's groups, <clears throat> that when you cut yourself, when you cut yourself and bleed and other men see that you're human and that you can talk about your pain, that you can talk about your brokenness, other men will then say, okay, it's safe. I, I was afraid, I was afraid maybe you were, you were from, you you were, you were, yeah, like maybe you were going to be different. If I showed any weakness, it was going to get cannibalistic real quick. And man, the fact that you could, you could, you could open up and you can put that out there. You know, my wife and I were having some struggles. My kids and I were having some struggles. I was having some personal struggles, some emotional issues, which is goes back to another massive topic that I want to cover at some point. Um, on you know just the health of pastors anyway, and how much I think confession just confession will heal up so much of that just a little bloodletting every once in a while would heal up so much of that for them to be in a room with guys who go look i am way screwed up 
look, I'm tempted by porn. I'm tempted by alcoholism. I'm tempted by, you know, wh- whatever it is, greed. I'm tempted by laziness to be able to put that stuff out there. And I think that would be so, so, so helpful for some of those guys, you know, golly. I mean, just how many guys mm-hmm. have we seen just fall off the edge, you know, um, just because, yeah. man, I don't know that I can be vulnerable. I don't know that I can be vulnerable right. because it's so counterintuitive to think that that's a masculine characteristic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of guys think, well, if I'm stepping up into leadership, I got to be Superman and Superman's bulletproof mm-hmm. and you're not bulletproof. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, being able to find some safe people that you can um, confide in and be real with, I think is really, really important. And it, and it sort of, it, 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 uh, it, uh, um, dismantles the weapons that you know sort of come against us um mm. when it, because leadership is isolating i don't care what kind of i don't care what size church you're in or what size staff you are yeah. uh it's isolating and uh and so i think making sure that you've got people around you that uh i i was just with a good friend of mine a couple of weeks ago he just said uh he said hey man when you travel do you ever get hit on Mm. and uh and i just said do you and he goes yeah actually i do man and uh i just said how are you handling it and he just kind of walked me through the latest scenario um now honestly my answer to him was no i can honestly i can honestly tell you no i don't i've never <laughs> been hit on it's either it's either because i don't realize it's happening which is could, could be possible uh the second thing is because i think i just sort of have a look that I've been told I'm hard to read and somewhat intimidating. And so maybe, um, that's just happening and I'm like scaring everybody off. I'll take that as a gift. I'm, I'm happy for it. I, yeah. I don't really want to, I don't really want to be faced with it. Right. But you know, I just thought that his, um, his question was a really vulnerable one. You know, yeah. he was, he was actually using it to say, Hey, I actually have, and I need to tell somebody because um, I don't want to be trying to deal with this on my own, Absolutely. and uh, and I think that uh, that's masculine. Absolutely, Ma- mas- mas- masculinity is being able to jo- go, hey, hey, guys, like I'm, uh, man, men are more lonely than women. I, mm-hmm. Statistically, I think the statistics show that. I'm not saying that women aren't lonely. Uh, I think some of the latest t- stats I've shown, like six out of ten women say they feel like I've got they've got connections with others that they can be uh, real with. One out of ten men say that. Mm-hmm. About yeah. 10% of men say that they feel like they've got good friends that they can be honest in every area of their life with. And uh, that's that's tragic. Yeah, it is tragic. The, the turnaround on what makes something like that, a confession like that, or vulnerability that makes mm-hmm. that masculine, the turnaround is this. Because you've made commitments elsewhere, you are confessing this to continue to protect the people that you've already made commitments to. That's masculine. Like that's the masculine mm-hmm. aspect of that. You know, it's not just we go around with our heart on our sleeve, just boohooing and talking about everything that goes on in our life. The reason we do it is because yeah. there's a woman and there's two girls at my house who I've made a promise to take care of and to protect. And now I'm on a plane and I'm trying to screw my life up. Like that's no good. You know, like that's no good. Mm-hmm. You know, there's got to yeah. be. So that's 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 super. That's super. Yeah. You need to yeah. you need to tell your guy that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah. th- that 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 idea of that idea of trying to reach reach out to the people around you and and who are listening to your sermons and be masculine now that can go bad real quick i mean with the wrong idea with the wrong idea of masculine that can go bad 
real quick. And you see some of that stuff, and it turns into some really ugly, weird, weird stuff, you know, that goes on. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I think about <laughs> I think about some of those things where um, the story that floated through here, you know, a, a pastor who's uh, church discipline. Now, church discipline is going to show up, and we're gonna we're gonna handle some stuff as far as church discipline goes. And it's like. Okay. Yeah. Look, I'm. I, I. I understand. I understand that there's. We need standards, and I understand we need. We need to treat people as Scripture has said that we treat them. And there are certain situations where we take somebody else with us, and we confront sin, and we handle. Th- like I understand that 100. percent But but when it when it turns into something kind of twisted, you're gonna call somebody out. You're gonna bring them to the front. You know, like that's that goes back to that toxic side of. Oh, come on, you know, that's not. Yeah. You know, that's not Jesus. Jesus went in and stormed the temple and turned it all over because there was some nonsense going on. But you know what? He he rarely jumped into somebody's life and began to criticize and grab them and tear them to shreds. And I think if there's one close example of him ever doing that, it, it's Zacchaeus, to which he shows up and he says, what are you doing in this tree? Come on down. Let's go have lunch and let's talk about it. Like that is such a strong thing because here's the here's the other problem. If you want to think masculinity and you think masculinity is distinct where you got to confront the wrong, how you confront the wrong sure makes a difference, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure makes a difference, you know. When it turns into, yeah. hey, listen, lunch, lunch with me and you, all right? And let's talk about what this is. And somewhere in the middle of dinner, an absolute pagan says, I've made up my mind. I've made up my mind based on this conversation and the fact that you're in my house. I'm taking my stuff and I'm selling it and I'm going to start giving more money to the poor. It's like <laughs> perfect, you know, perfect. That's so yeah. that's so good. But I think what happens, Aaron, and 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 you'd have to you'd have to tell me. Uh, I think what happens is we we underestimate the power of God in us all too often, and the convicting power of the Spirit. And so what we try to do is we try to leverage strength and power on top of other people and let it, and instead of letting the Spirit of God do that in somebody's life. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, even like, you know, in the way that Jesus restored Peter, I mean, that's just mm. amazing. Yeah. You know, let, let's let's go for a walk on the beach while they're cooking breakfast. Mm. And, you know, and I, I don't see Jesus powering up on him. Mm. I don't see Jesus shaming him. I don't see Jesus putting a finger in his chest and saying, dude, you knew better. What was that whole you'll never deny me stuff? He didn't do any of that. Um, And I think that, you know, there's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. It's the whole idea of the tone and tenor of Jesus and the tone and tenor of Paul. And what I mean by that is like, you know, like Paul in a lot of the epistles, specifically First Corinthians, but there are others. Yeah. um, Paul, his tone and his tenor is pretty direct. And it's pretty black and white, and he's getting after him. And, you know, uh, I think part of that was probably Paul's wiring, his personality, what he did in his former life before mm-hmm. his conversion. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was he was writing to church leaders, and the church was in its infancy. And so I don't know about you. I was way more defensive uh, and protective of my kids when they were babies and toddlers than I am Absolutely. now when they're, as they're teenagers. Yeah. So I think all that informs it. Uh, and I think that there there's a, a certain – uh, certain ones among us and brothers and si- brothers and sisters uh, in the church that take our cues from Paul, and mm. we're with, we're that way with everybody, you know. So so our our uh, mode of discipleship is I'm gonna get up in your face, man. I'm gonna tell you where you're wrong. I'm gonna hold you accountable, and I'm gonna, yeah. and it's like really harsh. And uh, I 
I would rather have the and, and it and it even comes across in preaching. You know, I say I'm gonna be harsh, I'm gonna hit you right in the trachea, you know. <clears throat> and it's like, um, I think we've got to be so careful with that. And if I'm gonna the one that you know the one I wanna model more than anything is I wanna model the tone and tenor of Jesus. And you just see him the way he was with Zacchaeus, the way he was with the woman at the well, the way he was with Mary and Martha, uh, the way he was with Judas. I mean, come on, man. He knew Judas was going to betray him, mm-hmm. and he still asked him to follow him. Mm. That's And he knew that Judas was going to sell him out. And that's like the ultimate expression of masculinity. Jesus is like, all right, man, I know what you're going to do to me. I'm going to. I'm going to still invite you into my life. Yeah. And uh, and so I think that we got to take our cues from Jesus on that. He was just the master at being able to interact with people. He was so com- comfortable with everybody, regardless of who they were, and knew how to get the best out of them because he knew their knew their heart. So, you know, in those moments, I mean, he reserved, we all know this, he reserved his harshest words for the Pharisees and Sadducees. He mm-hmm. went to the temple and, you know, threw some stuff around, yeah, yeah. But, but their hearts were really hard. Yeah. And uh, but uh, but he didn't damage anybody through his masculinity. He he could say hard things, but he did it in a way that was transformational, uh, not shameful. Yeah, there's a uh, uh, there's an author and a guy has been on the podcast, Stephen Mansfield. And I heard him in a lecture one time. He was talking about the word effeminate and the way he described this word. I, I had to go home and look it up. Um the way he described the word effeminate, uh, specifically in uh, in First Corinthians, I believe it's First Corinthians, First Corinthians six, uh, he he talks about this word effeminate and the things like these are the things these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. These people will not will not see the other side, and and begins to talk about you know these these different things. One of the words is and the effeminate, and it's a and it's a kind of a strange kind of a strange word it's a strange translation that's that's in there and there's several different meanings but one of the meanings that comes out is this is this idea that we are or that a person is soft because of because of a life of luxury that they become soft because of a life of luxury um another place it's used is when jesus is referring to um uh john the baptist and he says uh who did you go out who did you go out into the desert to see? Somebody dressed in fine clothes? And this 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 word soft and soft clothes? Somebody out there? Did you, did you go out there expecting to see somebody, you know, some 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 hipster with a with a with an all cotton super soft t shirt? Is, is it what you expected? You expected to go out there and see that? This idea of 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 being effeminate and that it that it, this is not this is not your wiring. This is not the the way you're raised. I'm a pretty colorful. I'm a pretty colorful personality. You get me talking about art and film and music and feelings. Listen, I'm I'm all over it. On the Enneagram, I tie as a seven and a two. All right. So when I'm not when I'm not standing around thinking about what next fun thing we should do, I'm thinking about what next fun feeling should we experience. Like so, I'm I can like I can get to that place of just let's talk about feelings and let's dive into that. But the idea of effeminate, this seems to be something that we cause on ourselves. We make ourselves soft because of our life of luxury. What are some things we need to do to to keep ourselves in a place of doing difficult things so that we that doesn't happen to us? What are some things that happen in your life? <clears throat> wow, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, I, um, you know, because we live in a society that doesn't require all of us to do manual labor. I'm not quite sure 
what we do about that. Other than I do think that the, it's just all the more important that, you know, we're working out, we're in the gym, that kind of a thing. I think there was an era before we didn't have to do that as much. So I think that connects to that side. I think the other thing is like when it comes to specifically as men, when it comes to relationships, we're usually wimps when it comes to this area. And so we shy away mm. from hard conversations or we go the other way and we get angry and, you know, tell each other off, cuss each other out, you know, get passive yeah. aggressive, all yeah. that. And so I think that uh, making sure that we um, uh, are um, dealing with our own hearts in a really healthy way and that we're dealing with others in a really healthy way. Um, I think that uh, I, I heard it described to me one time, like, you know, I, uh, um, it's kind of like a pickup truck, you know, a pickup trucks pretty squirrely when there's no load in the back, mm-hmm. but when you load it down, it rides true. And I think that um, um, there are times when I just have to evaluate um, what all do I have on my plate? What responsibilities am I carrying? And am I carrying myself with wisdom and discernment um, to uh, be able to um, have the necessary conversations and make the hard decisions Mm -hmm. and uh, not not whine about it, not complain about it, not feel sorry for myself. Uh, but to go, you know what, this is what leaders do. Leaders yeah. don't just sit back and, and, and feast on the cushiness of the position. Right. Leaders deal with problems. And yeah. if there wasn't a problem, then there wouldn't, be, there wouldn't necessarily be any reason to have leaders. So right. uh, it's, it's being willing to step into the really difficult stuff. I think that's what uh, uh, that's a, maybe part of the truest and healthiest form of masculinity. Now I'm going to mm. be willing to step into that. And yeah. know that I'm going to come out on the other side, probably bleeding a little bit. But yeah, that's true. Do it. <clears throat> it's a uh, back on the leadership topic, and I appreciate you bringing that up. The <clears throat> excuse me, the the idea of making hard decisions like that. There's nothing when you get into church leadership, you have some weird stuff come across your desk. You have some weird situations that come across your desk, and and like some of those can be a whole lot of fun. Some of those can be a whole lot of fun, <laughs> but but then there's these other situations. And man, when they come across your desk, like it's a it's a dagger to the heart because now you've got to go talk to somebody who you desperately love and who you've been hoping for and pulling for and praying for, and you got to go tell them, listen, this is off and this doesn't work, or you've got to deliver some bad news. You know, I mean, that's just making those hard calls, having those hard conversations. Man, hey, uh, I appreciate you uh, joining me on this unscripted conversation about masculinity and, and helping me kind of kick this uh, kick this idea around a little bit, buddy. I appreciate your uh, appreciate your hour, and uh, I'll uh, I'll let you get yeah, back to uh, operating Trader's Point and uh, with all your masculinity. <laughs> well, it's always good to be on with you, man. Always good to talk to you, and uh, yeah. appreciated the conversation. Yeah, man, me too. I appreciate you uh, helping me process through some of this stuff. I'll uh, I'll get in touch with you soon, and uh, I'll uh, I'll update you on kind of where this thing's going and what we're doing with it. And uh, good luck. Be praying for you and everything you got going on, and uh, catch up with you soon. Thanks, Derek. I appreciate it, man. All right, see you, buddy. All right, see you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Homeless Podcast. I have become aware that our listener base is growing globally, which is a really cool thing. So here's what I want to ask for you who are in Great Britain, Sweden, Denmark, Spain, Switzerland, France, Haiti, Mexico, wherever else you may be listening from. I would like to hear from you. 
So if you would, if you would be so kind as to shoot me an email and just tell me about yourself, tell me about what it is that you do, um, maybe something about um, uh, the podcast that, that that's connected with you. I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email at thehomilist at gmail dot com. That is thehomilist t h e h o m i l i s t at gmail dot com. I would love to uh, have some correspondence with you. That'd be great. Thank you for listening. To the Homeless Podcast.